And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome to Onto Waveland. It's presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. We are here to talk all things Cubs for you, because uh, it's the Athletics Cubs podcast. That's how it works. The Cubs were off yesterday after their weekend series against the Pirates, which itself had followed the three-game sweep of the Dodgers. But since the Pirates are you know, so much better than the Dodgers, the Cubs were able to take only two of those games against the Pirates. Um, you know, we'll, we'll start with that series, and because obviously it was the most recent series, but I'm going to just say up front, I personally don't have a ton to say about that series in particular. Obviously, there were some injury issues that popped up that are notable, and we'll get some more information on those in the coming days. But, you know, three games, all decided by a run. Um, really could have gone either way. All those games, you know, the, the the first game of the series, the Cubs almost blew it. The last game of the series, the Pirates almost blew it. And uh, I don't know. I don't... I don't feel any more or less informed about any huge topics from that series. It was it was nice to see the Cubs win a series against a team they are supposed to beat. But you know, did, did I just did I just whiff and miss anything really big or interesting that came out of those three particular games? I mean, the only thing I took away was they can win that with this group that they have. They can win some games without hitting homers. Uh, with the wind blowing in at Wrigley, you know it's a bad. They beat a bad team, so you, you take it with a grain of salt. But uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> you got you've got to leave that in, Tim, uh, producer, because so that I'm holding my. When someone else starts to speak, I switch my microphone to my left hand and I kind of hold it away from my face so that I'm not making sounds. Well. For some reason, my watch must have heard something about the Cubs and Pirates game. And so I don't even want to say her name. The the Apple assistant uh, must have thought she heard her name and was like, oh, I'll tell you about the Pirates game. I guess she had some thoughts yeah, more than I thoughts. did so, about this series. See? So, so there were some thoughts about the Pirates series. But ultimately, yeah, I don't think it, there's no grand conclusions to be taken from that series. It was, you know, just the, those first two games winning with a bunch of singles, I think matters in, in a sense. Uh, but also, you can't take too much away from it in general. It's just the beginning of a long stretch against poor teams, and you'd like to see them try and clean up here over the next uh, three-ish weeks. Yeah, my only two takeaways were, like, it didn't seem like that huge momentum boost just when you saw these guys, uh, you know, Marisnik collapsing to the grass and essentially taking him out of the game, uh, you know, like he knew something was wrong and the Cubs talking about it as uh, this is pretty bad. We'll be missing him for a while. Jason Hayward get pinched hit for 
looking at some of the names on the injured list, I know every team goes through this, so I'm not saying the Cubs are exceptional in some ways, but you just wonder how much more uh, more injuries they can absorb. And then just, you know, it took a lot of effort to get back to 500. And I believe they're 5-4 and four against the Pirates, but 6-0 and oh against the Dodgers and Mets, uh, which is curious and odd. So it's kind of what they deserve, right? I mean, they're about a 500 team, and it's up to them to kind of prove – otherwise here over the next uh weeks several weeks and two plus months whatever it is yeah i mean good point from both of you there that we've said it before but this approximately three week stretch of very winnable games if the cubs are going to be an above 500 team when it matters i.e in july mid-july and beyond um they're going to have to win uh, at a greater ratio against a terrible team like the pirates um so, you know, they, they they kick off that stretch tonight against the Indians. Not a terrible team, although they've been no-hit twice, right? They, of the four no-hitters this year, it's twice them, uh, which is odd. And, of course, the Cubs get Shane Bieber tonight, which is um, going to be a tough matchup. But on the Cubs' side, they get Adbert Alzali, uh pitching again, a guy who, you know, we've talked about many times, who has uh, been – highly effective for those first five-ish innings we'll see as he continues to to go this year if the ability to stretch out a little past that 80 pitch mark and be effective continues or more likely the Cubs are probably just gonna have to manage him that way this year Um, but he his presence and his effectiveness paired with uh, the continued success we've seen from Justin Steele paired with uh, some early success from Keegan Thompson uh, all manifesting themselves this weekend in that Pirates series uh, and beforehand, which is why it didn't really jump out to me necessarily in this series, um, has me thinking about whether we're finally in this period of time where, okay, the Cubs are finally having some entirely homegrown pitchers step forward, cover innings, pitch in an impactful way, and this is maybe just the tip of the spear, you know, where that we've we've talked about the transformation in the farm system both at a philosophical level and at a development level uh, to try to push out more impactful pitching over the last three years or so and you look up and down the farm system you look at the prospect rankings and you're like okay it's actually now pretty evenly distributed throughout the system that the Cubs have some quality pitching prospects up and down that maybe this is the start of us kind of seeing like okay finally the Cubs can uh make more of their financial weight available on the positional side because they aren't having to spend $100 million every year on pitching. And then you catch yourself, right? It's like, okay, well, but are these really the three guys who are starting that process, or are we just so <laughs> desperate to have these things to talk about because it's been like seven years since the Cubs have had multiple impactful arms entirely homegrown on the roster? And, you know, that's, that's where I am. I sort of am catching myself. I think there is something positive happening, but it's probably not quite as dramatic as we might want to make it seem since it's been so long. Yeah, you know, I, I think, I mean, I, we touched on this last podcast or maybe the podcast before, but I feel like there's something with Alzali, and I, I think that's a big stepping stone in the sense that – you know, I don't know. I need to see more, but I believe from who I've talked to, the Cubs believe that's a big sign that things 
can work with their new pitching infrastructure. There's a lot of people that worked with Alzali. Obviously, he's immensely talented. 99% of the credit goes to him, but he's also being coached up in a way. The fact that he can take the coaching and implement all the instruction is is on him, right? But there's some stuff going on behind the scenes that I believe really helped him become the pitcher that he is because, I mean, that slider, he didn't have it, uh, you know, whatever, nine months ago, right? And now it's one of the best sliders in baseball. So I think they kind of look at that as proof of concept. We, you know, you don't apply the same stuff to everyone, but there are ways that they believe that they can identify things with certain pitchers and and they can apply it across uh, the system, right? And and do and and, and apply certain concepts and, and and kind of extract value out of various pitchers. Uh, I I don't know. I I haven't dug into what's going on, like what they worked with on Steele, uh, but but I think Justin Steele looks like a pretty electric arm out of the bullpen. I don't know what he'd be as a starter. I don't think they're gonna try and convert that convert him into a starter. I think. There's, he's just had a ton of success just watching him and then digging into the numbers. It, it opened my eyes even more. But w- immediately when I watched him come up and I saw him pounding the zone with his four-seamer and guys just swinging through it repeatedly and repeatedly, I was like, okay, that's clearly there's something going on with this four-seamer. Guys cannot catch up to it. There's some deception here. There's It's moving in a way that, you know, the, the spin and it's, it has the rise. And, and obviously it's a type of pitch that – that kind of uh, has unique characteristics that can work in the zone. So th- those two guys, I think there's something there. I I don't know what direction you can take them. We need to see Alzali build more innings. Is he really a six, seven inning starter? Is he a new school starter? Is Steele the perfect type of reliever, that two inning lefty reliever that you can bring in a couple times a week? That That's a huge weapon in today's game, I believe. Uh, Thompson in general, I, I, I don't know yet. I'm, I'm obviously zero ERA, the results, you cannot complain, but he's not missing any bats. He's gotten two swings and misses in 111 pitches. I know it's early, but that's ridiculously low. That's a really low number. Uh, I, I can't remember everything that I had in the piece that I published that was published this morning, but basically I think there are two pitchers in all of baseball that have thrown at least 100 uh, pitches and have a below 5% swinging strike rate. It's him and Brett Anderson. He's never been someone, Keegan Thompson's never really been someone that's gotten a ton of ground balls in the minors. So, you know, you need one of those two to really thrive. Uh, And, uh, you know, maybe this cutter that is pretty new, uh, it can be a, a difference maker. I don't think it's a bat misser, but we'll see. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that the kid has no future. I'm just saying that pump the brakes on on the zero ERA. I mean, I think he does everything that Ross has been harping on. Right, Rob Ross has been kind of sick of talking about like uh, rap Soto stuff and, and pitch lab stuff. Not that he doesn't believe in that stuff. It's just like, there's more to baseball, go out and perform, show me that you can get results. And he's done that. He's, he's stepped up in big moments twice that spot start. And then relieving Trevor Williams. Those are the types of things. When you talk about intangibles, I think the guy has mound presence. I think the guy is not afraid to go up there and, and try and attack hitters. I just don't know. Eventually he's, he, he has a lot of called strikes right now. Eventually our guy's going to be aggressive with that and, and start putting those in the gap or over the fence i don't know i, I just want to wait and see with him and see what what more comes uh, i i'm really impressed with steel and alzali though because they have some unique pitches that that work in today's game really effectively 
I think since we've all hammered the Cubs for being just a total black hole in terms of like developing amateur pitchers, that it's okay to point out when a couple of things go right and put it in the broader context of all these changes that they're making behind the scenes in their scouting department, in their player development systems. Like, I mean, it was just awful in this department. And when you can see signs of progress, it doesn't mean that like you're predicting future greatness here. It's just that like bare minimum competency in these areas would really make a big difference for this team. I mean, no matter what they're developing, they should still be in the market for, you know, uh, pitchers who command a hundred million dollars or more, like every couple of years, like that's just what big market teams do. And I mean, I looked it up. I wrote it this the other day, like between 2012 and 2020, the Cubs drafted 176 pitchers and only two won a game for the big league club during the Theo era. Rob Z won two and Dwayne Underwood won one in a seven inning double hitter uh, last year. So when you get Steele and Thompson earning their first big league wins in a matter of five days and Alzelay, who was not drafted, but was a homegrown guy, you know, matches Walker Bueller for five innings. Like that's not totally insignificant, especially when you see that the Cubs are not giving Pedro Strope a roster spot and that they're DFAing Brandon Workman like eight innings into a one-year deal, a guy who's been part of two World Series teams. Like they're giving these guys opportunity and, you know, Steele got a million dollars out of high school. Like they saw something in there. He, you know, he's he's left-handed and Keegan Thompson, like Dave Ross said, was an SEC Friday night starter at Auburn pitching on the weekends, like in, you know, uh, you know, real environments, you know, that, that had some, you know, pressure built into there. So it's not, I don't know, it's not totally random uh, to, or like out of the question to think like maybe they're on to at least something and not being like the worst in the majors in this department. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh, that's just fantastic stuff. I have so many, I was like listening to both of you and I wasn't going to interrupt because you guys were making great points, but it was like throughout, I was like, oh man, I want to spot like that and say something. Oh, I want to spot like that and say something. <laughs> it's the, it's the blogger in me. I'm like, I want to, oh, I, I, I see. He has said something really smart and I want to say something about that. Um, so just rain of thoughts. One, perfectly spotlighting the <laughs> the total absence of pitching development from the farm system there, Mooney. I didn't realize, I mean, pitching wins, obviously, as a statistic, is stupid and bad. But it is a useful, in this context, 
to like note, okay, how frequently are guys coming through and actually pitching meaningful innings at the big league level? And two guys, two guys in a decade. Oh my Lord. And they had like, uh, I think you said they had three in the last two weeks, three different guys. So um, that's, uh, that is wild. So I, I wanted to just touch on some of the pitching notes to individual pitches um, there because I, I hadn't thought about it that, you know, Alzali's success, it, it could be a canary in the coal mine of like how the Cubs now work with pitchers um, for which we wouldn't have had a ton of visibility because there was no minor league season last year. These, these changes obviously were made uh, on the developmental side late 2018 and then all throughout 2019. And you wouldn't necessarily have expected to see and be able to evaluate the fruits of that until 2020. And we didn't have a season. So it is interesting that you point out that like, again, this is a hyper specific example because it's one pitcher that's been worked with who's already very, very talented and it's one pitch, but you do think about, okay, if the Cubs can take a talented arm and shape a pitch for him and develop a pitch for him that becomes literally top three in baseball together with you Darvish we know how good his slider is and the guy the Cubs are facing tonight Shane Bieber those are the three best sliders in baseball and that's a pitch that he developed last year for the first time and it got me thinking too that I believe that Keegan Thompson cutter was new last year I think it was developed last year throughout the year I do believe he deployed it in instructs uh or excuse me Arizona Fall League, before the shutdown, I believe it was the first time he was busting it out. I'm open to being corrected, but I believe that's that's right. Uh, and Justin Steele's slider, he did have all along, but it was really his curveball that was sort of his signature breaking pitch. And it wasn't until, I believe, same thing, last year, maybe at the alt site, that they started shaping and developing that slider a bit more to, to make it a more impactful pitch. And now, uh, among relievers, it is one of the most dominating sliders in baseball. And I did want to add what I always liked about Justin Steele, and you could see this whenever you would see his minor league clips, is he has that fastball that, without any data, you just watch it and you're like, you know, that's registering at 94, but it's just like getting on the hitter so much faster than that. And the hitter just looks completely lost if it's in the zone and it's in the upper third. And to that point, it turns out now that we do have data, not only does it have an incredible spin rate, which you that's what that like sort of late explosion is, but also it turns out it's vertical drop or, or it's, or no, no, excuse me, it's horizontal movement. Okay. And four seamer, you don't necessarily look for a lot of horizontal movement. It is the in the first percentile. It is like a dead straight four-seam fastball, which if you have enough rise on that pitch, that's actually a good thing. You don't want it necessarily to, to be moving in a way that a hitter is used to seeing. You want something extreme. And in his case, apparently it is super extreme in how little it moves uh, laterally. And obviously because of the spin, it moves very little, very little drop compared to a typical four-seamer. So he has two very extreme pitches. Um, Real okay. quickly, just yeah. two names that get uh, that like when I was looking doing research on this, as far as the four seam fastball with Justin Steele, the only guys that get like more in zone swing and miss or just swing and miss on a four seam are like James Karinchek and Aroldis Chapman. Wow. I mean, that's the type of like elite reliever that you're talking about that's able to do this type of stuff. So, I mean, if you don't know who Karinchek is, you'll see him this the, over the next two days, Cubs fans, and he's arguably one of the best relievers. He kind of popped on the scene last year 
and, and he's just a dominant reliever. Uh, really annoying delivery. You'll recognize him immediately because <laughs> it's like, what is he doing with this? Like, goes way back over his, his like body is bending backwards. And no, I'm just, I, I think I'm he like, also, I also think he's kind of an insane person on the mound, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, He'll is scream he? and yell all the time. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he screams at himself. I'm not sure if it's as much at the opponent, but if I'm remembering correctly, I think he kind of just like screams randomly and pumps himself up. We did see him a little bit last year because of the, although the abbreviated yep. schedule, it was an all central schedule. And um, I do remember he was, I, I, I don't know if he was a rookie last year, if he was brand new, but that was certainly the first time that I had seen him. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Um, and now he has emerged, uh, like you said, as one of the top relievers in the game. Interesting too, that you mentioned him and Chapman and Steele in the same breath as guys that have the most success in the zone with four seamers because Steele is doing it with like 93, 94 miles per hour. I mean, like he rarely ramps it up to 95 and above. Um, so that tells you that that the look that he's providing with that pitch is clearly um, something special. Um, okay. Did you want to add anything else, Mooney, to the, to the homegrown pitcher chat? No, I just can't wait for – I honestly – don't know who this Cleveland reliever is, but I can't wait if he's yelling on the mound to see which Cubs hitter takes offense to it. <laughs> and then like they eyeball each other and then like they get out of the dugout, but they don't actually do anything like that. That'll be my, that's my prediction for this series of like the kind of like fake machismo act. Uh, if this pitcher <laughs> delivers in an Amir Garrett type way, that's ah. But see, there's the rub. It only happens among NL Central teams. I don't know if you guys saw uh, Bob Nightingale wrote an interesting piece for USA Today this week that chronicled the extreme volume of benches clearing incidents among NL Central teams specifically, which I think if you'd asked any of us, yeah, we, we would have thought that maybe anecdotally, like, boy, they do, just like you said, Mooney, it's, there's a lot of like hopping the, the front step and being like, you talking to me, you talking to me? Uh, but it actually turns out that like, even if you went to a statistical level, it is disproportionately frequent in the NL Central. And he kind of went through, he interviewed some folks and went through like, why is that? What is it about these these teams but uh i mean i don't think of the cubs as this like hot-headed uh team although and i should add too it's it's two teams in particular that are like always involved and you would know reds now and that you think about it, it's the reds and pirates okay. it's like always them but, that's immediately um, who i thought okay yeah. i just wanted to make sure i was i was I was I was about to say what you were saying. Maybe like maybe we just cover the Cubs. We're we're watching the Cubs so much we don't think of them as the antagonizers. But I, I'm not surprised it's the Reds and Pirates. Well, and we we had the recent stuff with the Brewers and the Cubs that was, I think, very like particular to a very you know to one specific player and the issue that's that's going on with him. You know what? I'm just going to pivot real quick because I can do it with a plug for The Athletic that, that Ken Rosenthal wrote something interesting about that kind of relates to this. Um, this morning about the dramatic increase in hit-by-pitches that we're seeing the last two years in baseball uh, together with so many other things about the game that are spiking to disproportionate levels. We're now seeing by far the the, the fastest rate of hit-by-pitches um, since the 1800s in baseball when Dudes were getting hit in 1800s. It was because it was you know, everybody was like, "How do I throw this pitch? What do I do? Overhand?" Uh, and now, obviously and the balls weren't even like standardized, right? They were like it was like 16 random. inch softball. They, they were throwing with them. Um, no, so uh, it was interesting, and it's it, it's another one of those points where it's like, well, it makes sense because guys are throwing harder than ever. They view the risk of hitting a guy as 
uh, not as bad as ever, right? Because it's like, well, I'll strike out the next guy. And um, increasingly, you want to pitch up and in because the guy, it's harder to barrel. And so, you know, obviously the question is, can is this another one of those trends that we can just be like, well, it's just part of the game. It's just the way it's going. Or should we react? You know, we're making a lot of other rules changes. Should we react to this sooner before somebody really gets hurt? And um, it's a it's a tricky one because there, there, there's some interesting possible solutions to disincentivize pitching up and in. Um, but obviously we saw it with the Cubs and Brewers with Wilson Contreras. Like that's where you want to pitch him because he's not successful up there. But if you can't locate your 97 mile an hour fastball, aren't you being just kind of a dick by continuing to throw up and in there? And if so, how do we change that? A great read from Rosenthal and feel free to, 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 to shout out any, if you have the, the solution to this issue. Uh, but obviously it, it also generates some of that NL central, machismo as uh galagar said <laughs> couldn't you just what if, what if you just uh, uh hit by pitches now if it's above the waist you automatically get to second yes that's what so <laughs> yes a, a a friend tommy a idea, yeah. tweeted that and i'm like that's a i mean there there's like micro stuff that would become an issue i'm sure like oh what counts is above the waist and is that yeah. going to review that and are guys wearing a bunch of body armor to try to you know, get extra bases, but like something like that, the, the, the alternative that I had thought of. So I like that idea. Another alternative is if you hit a guy above the waist, it's an automatic warning. And then your next hit by pitch in the game, regardless of where it is, you're automatically ejected. I feel like that might it's like little guys. league. That's, that's what, that what my it, son's little league two? is. If you hit two batters in one inning, that pitcher has to get sit down. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good, like safety idea, yeah. I suppose. Um. Oh, so in your son's league, a lot of lot of high and tight to try to miss the barrel. Huh? <laughs> yeah, they're yeah they're trying to get 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 guys off the plate. This guy's crowding. <laughs> Back up. Uh, all right, good stuff. What a fun this. You know, uh, it's interesting when you have the the podcast recording after an off day and you've got some distance from the games. You just kind of can get into some stuff. It's nice. Not that we don't enjoy talking about the individual games too, but sometimes floating through these uh, various little topics, I think, are enjoyable for us and hopefully enjoyable for you folks too. Uh, this is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. Make sure you are rating, reviewing, subscribing, telling your friends uh, all about the delightful joy that we have here on this show. And uh, thanks to Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get their stuff at The Athletic. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. And we will be back at you later this week after that uh, Indian series. And uh, we can then say uh, more untoward things about James Karinczak, about whatever he does <laughs> on the mound. Uh, so thanks. Take care. And we'll see you soon.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.